0: Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each episode showcases one of Davy's certified arborists sharing advice with everyone about caring for your trees and landscapes. We'll talk about everything from introduced pests, seasonal tree care, deer damage, how to make your trees thrive, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. This week, we're joined by Nick St. Sever. He's a district manager for the Davy Tree Expert Company in Knoxville, Tennessee. And you're going to school me on everything related to tree cabling. Welcome to the show.
1: Tell me what tree cabling is, Nick. Uh, so, thanks for having me, uh, Doug. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, so, basically, tree c- cabling is uh, we go, it's exactly what it sounds like. I mean, we basically go to the top of the tree um, at a certain point, uh, drill a hole through a tree, pull some cables through, um, and depending on how, uh, it's done, I mean, there's a couple different ways that you could do it. Um, you pull the cable through, put these nuts on the end, and it basically holds it together. How big
0: of a cable would we be talking about here? I mean, is this a, a big, heavy, metal,
1: flexible cable that would go into a tree? No, it's actually, um, it's actually not as big as what a lot of people think it is. Um, But if you're familiar with like the guy wires that hold up telephone poles, it's basically the same thing. Okay. Um, But it's, you know, rated for, you know, over 10,000 pounds.
0: So tell me a little bit about why I would, would do this because I'm thinking like a big tree, how am I going to, how am I going to save this branch? Is that what I'm thinking or? or...
1: Yeah. So generally uh, when we, Stick cables in trees where it's an alternative to removing it because of some sort of, uh, like I said, major structural defect or the tree's already splitting. um, And then we pull it back together, stick some cables and braces in to try to reinforce those uh, those defects. So um, generally, like I said, we try to do it as a way of preserving a tree um, that one of our clients really like. or want to keep long-term
0: yeah because i was thinking you know all right big giant tree uh i'll just lose it but if you love a tree and you can save it by putting that cable in that's got to be a good feeling when you get to a homeowner who loves this tree and you can tell them nope doesn't have to go we're going to be able to put this cable up in there
1: yeah so one of our clients um we they basically own the champion red oak Uh, Here in Knoxville, it was a huge, you know, 78 inch diameter tree. And uh, about 20 years ago it's my understanding uh, that it started to split apart, just like what we're talking about. Um, And we were able to expand the the lifespan of that tree by, you know, 20, 30 years um, by coming in and installing cables. I mean, it had like 20, 30 cables in it, but, you know, the client got to keep it for that much longer. Um, she only just recently removed it this year. but.
0: Well, what a, one thing that was interesting that you said there, when I was thinking tree cabling, I'm only thinking branches. But this could be like a big tree splitting up in the middle that you would bring back together. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. How do I know? I guess I just have to have you come to the property. But how do you make that decision on whether it should, listen, you're going to have to lose the tree or I can cable it?
1: Well, that's a that's a great question, actually. Um, so a lot of it will depend on the risk tolerance of the client, though, too. Um, because even when you install cable, you're not eliminating risk altogether, um, but you're you're reducing risk that's involved with that tree. Um, so it it really depends on the client and what they want with that specific tree. You know, if it's one, if you've got one tree on your property, it's your only tree. It's a huge tree that would be a good candidate for cables. Um, Or if it's a, you know, heritage tree or champion tree or something like that. I mean, if it's high value tree, you'd be more inclined to put cables in it than if it's just some random hackberry out on the back 40.
0: And how about size? What kind of, what
1: size of tree are you dealing with when you're, when you're cabling? Yeah. So generally it's again, a mature tree. So I mean, you can cable trees that, You 10, 15 foot tall, but generally um, if it's a smaller tree, we can come in and just prune out the defects uh, instead of trying to reinforce them. So um, generally, you know, it's a tree that's 20, 30 inches in diameter that we're coming in and being called to take care of that.
0: And once you do install those cables, how often do you go back and look at that tree to be sure that everything's doing what it's supposed to do? Or do you have to go back?
1: Yeah. So we normally recommend once a year, uh, just do annual annual inspections on it. Just make sure that that cable is still in there, that it is being compartmentalized um, and that it is still attached. And depending on the hardware that you actually use for installing cables, um, you know, sometimes it can come loose, some, some something like that. But there's um, if it's installed properly and everything, uh, you shouldn't really have any issues. It's in there for the life of the jury. But you should have those annual inspections just to make sure nothing's changed, nothing's broke.
0: Well, that leads me to my next question. Uh, if you do live on a property that has a lot of trees, is that what you advise? Have an arborist come once a year, once every other year, or is it a
1: case by case basis? I try to, I, I advise all of my clients to come out every year. Um, and the reason for that is because there's so much that can change over the course of a year. Um, and if we're on, if you have an arborist on your property every single year, you're going to be able to catch problems and stresses way before they become an actual issue. Um, unfortunately people call us when normally when the tree's like almost dead or in a state of severe decline, and then, you know, they want us to do something about it. And it's a lot harder to get a tree to come out of a period of, or a state of high stress and get it to recover and stabilize it and then back to normal health than it is if we just catch it, you know, on the forefront of it.
0: Are there some trees that are more prone to being cabled or could it be any species just depending on on how it's growing?
1: So genetically, um, there are trees that are more prone to having structural defects. Um, You know, Bradford pears, everybody knows about those. Um,
0: Wait a minute. Not everybody knows about them, but everybody but everybody, but everybody in the tree industry does because of all the podcasts I, I've i done with uh, the Davy Tree Expert Company, the Bradford pear has probably come up two or three times. So, okay. all right, let me hear it from an arborist's point of view. Okay. Why should I not plant a Bradford pear?
1: There's <laughs> just about every reason under the under sky the <laughs> that you should not plant a Bradford pear. I mean, they're invasive. They're short-lived. Um, you know, structurally, they're just... Terrible because of the included bark, which is what you're trying to reinforce with cables. Um, you know, they just, in my opinion, they stink when they're in bloom. Um, and there's just so many other good alternatives to Bradford pears, um, even native ones. Do you cable them? Yeah, we've got we've got some clients that you know just love their Bradford pears, and we'll still go out and we'll stick cables in them for them. Um, again, just to try to support those unions that have the included bark in it.
0: Well, I would love to be a fly on the wall when a client tells an arborist, oh, I've got to keep my beautiful Bradford pear. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We we try to talk about it as much as possible, but you know.
0: (laughs) Any other trees that are genetically grow in such a way that you, you kind of think that that might be one you'd need
1: to cable? Yeah, so maples are pretty bad about getting included bark as well um elm trees uh, especially the american elm um, they tend to get a lot of included bark and split apart and then one that we see a lot here in knoxville uh is the hackberry um hackberries i tell a lot of my clients that they're like giant bradford pears so um they grow really quick um and when they're young you don't have any problems out of them but once they start getting mature um they they do tend to split apart and you don't even normally see it with a hackberry um, because they don't actually have included bark. It's just a really weak wooded tree.
0: When you say that included bark, explain to me a little bit about what, what you're seeing in a tree, what that means.
1: Yeah. So if you've got two branches or two leaves that are growing side by side um, and you've got a really narrow union between those two branches, what ends up happening is as each branch or lead grows in diameter the tissues between those two leads ends up getting compressed it kills the tissue um, and then you've got no structural um, support there Um, and over time as those leads grow in height um, eventually just ends up peeling peeling part of that tree off
0: Now I asked the arborist many times just to tell me a little bit about how it feels because I can just see myself as a homeowner looking up at a tree and knowing something's wrong. And by looking at it, thinking, Oh my gosh, I love this tree, but there's no way it's going to make it. But when you come out and you tell them, you know what I could do, you know, I could put this cable there and I could save that mm-hmm. tree. And I'm, I'm telling you at least another 10 years, maybe even longer than that. Uh, tell me a little bit about that part of your job.
1: I mean, that's probably my favorite part of the job. Um, you know, I, we've got a lot of, um, I'd say it's everywhere. There's a lot of tree companies, no matter where you're at. Um, and you're always going to have some tree companies that are going to try to use fear to, um, you know, sell, sell a job or something like that. And they're just not, um, up to best management practices or affiliated with something like ISA. Um, so they're not necessarily any more educated, um, in tree care than what the homeowner would be. Um and you know, they see a big tree and they just wanna remove it. Um but it always always feels great to be able to come out, see a big mature tree that um the client's getting a second opinion on. They've been told it's it has to be cut down because of one reason or another, and we could come in and be like, No, there's there's nothing wrong with this. Um and then, you know, you get to save a tree that's two hundred years old or something like that. I mean, it's it's an amazing feeling.
0: Nick, just talk about the importance of actually getting an ISA certified arborist to come to the property and why it's important.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And that's one of the biggest ways we mark or biggest ways we market ourselves. Um, is just trying to get out into the community and educate people on what proper tree care is. Um, it seems like there is a big movement um, in our country, um, maybe even the world. I'm not, I'm not really sure, but um, of, of, how or the value that we place on trees um it seems like a lot of people are becoming a lot more interested in actually taking care of their trees so they're taking the time to educate themselves um you know i've, I've seen a lot of stuff just pop up in the city of knoxville where um you know the city's putting on um what they call a volunteer volunteer forester program um, to try to educate people about trees and pro- proper tree care um, and that sort of thing that way they know when somebody comes out to their property, um, you know, whether or not what they're feeding them is, you know, honest or, you know, you know, they can make their own decisions themselves.
0: Just tell me a little bit about why this job's right for you. How did you get into trees?
1: I accidentally got into trees actually. Um, all growing up, I wanted to do something in the medical industry. I uh, got into college, um, was going to use, uh well got got into college and was going to become a nurse um as kind of a pre med uh always uh, looked forward to going to work uh at that time I was a landscaper on campus um or groundskeeper on campus um and always dreaded going to class um so my second year in I changed my degree um to landscaping and gardening um and after graduating, I tried to give or I did an internship uh, with Cortesi here in Knoxville and, you know, happily ever after.
0: What's the best part about what you do?
1: It's hard to say because um, I, cause I like a lot. I mean, just about everything in this industry. It's such a unique industry. Um, you know, I love climbing trees. Um, unfortunately, I just don't do that a whole lot anymore um, as a manager, but uh, that's one one of the things that I really, really enjoyed um, when I was in the field um, getting out climbing trees every day um, but I also love just talking with people um, the sales side of it and being outside um it's physically demanding, it's mentally stimulating all that I mean it's just I mean it's got a little bit for everybody I feel like.
0: Well, Nick, let's leave it right there. That's great stuff. Thanks for all the information, especially schooling me on tree cabling. And let's just remind everybody, no more Bradford Pears.
1: Thanks so much for having me on, Doug.
0: Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Next week's show is all about weather whiplash. How do late winter temperature swings affect our trees? Remember, on the Talking Trees podcast, we know. The trees are the answer.